Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bulls on Parade. My name is Ryan Johnston. Join alongside Joey Nardone and Spencer Gonzalez. Guys, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great, feeling good. Uh, Red Bulls just off of a 4 nothing win. So uh, if you're a Red Bulls fan, you got to be happy about that. And uh, myself, I'm doing well. I'm I'm feeling great. Same as Joey. You know, it's it's nice to be in these summer months. A lot of great matches going on, especially that last win against Atlanta. Probably the best win of the year for this squad. So you got to feel good moving forward. Well, you guys both touched on it. So let's start there. The 4 nothing win over Atlanta United, who was fifth in the Eastern Conference before that game. A huge win, especially at this point in the season. You know, was this game a turning point for the Red Bulls? Now, hopefully it is. So a good, the best offensive team in the MLS East with Atlanta United coming up against a struggling offensive team, uh, New York Red Bulls. And Red Bulls, both teams actually missing some guys. I think this is very important to how the game shaped up. Um, With the Gold Cup going on right now, there's a few players out on international duty. So for the Red Bulls, uh, Corey Burke playing for Jamaica and John Tolkien playing uh, for the U.S. They actually played against each other. And then some injury problems as well as the Red Bull. Van Zier was out with a questionable hamstring injury. He didn't play. Nealis, Dylan Nealis, not Sean. Sean played. Dylan Nealis was questionable with a groin injury. He was also out. And so Lewis Morgan, uh, Serge Nagoma, also out. And on the other side for Atlanta, uh, two guys, actually three guys out for um, them. An offensive, prolific offensive player for Derek Etienne Jr., who's exciting, played for Haiti. I think he's one to watch if you're an MLS fan. Also, Miles Robinson, in my opinion, one of the best center backs in the MLS right now, is out playing for USA in the Gold Cup. And also Jay Fortune uh, for Trinidad and Tobago, representing them in the Gold Cup. They also had Santiago Sosa out with an ankle injury and questionable Eric Lopez, who did not play. So a lot of guys missing in, from both sides. Uh, some big key players for both teams, I think, Atlanta was missing out on their star center back, but also the Rebels were missing out on their uh, best offensive uh, player, not offensive, but the most points on the score sheet player from Tolkien, who uh, I believe has four assists and one goal going into that game. Um, but yeah, I was at that game, so I got a lot to talk about it, but Spence, if I want to throw it over to you first before anything else. No, yeah, I'll I'll let you talk more since you were there. But, I mean, uh, this win against Atlanta has to have everybody hyped. Uh, a 4 nothing win is nothing to, you know, blow your nose at. Uh, it's the fifth clean sheet of the year for Carlos Coronel in net. He had a great night, uh, four saves against Atlanta, who's a great offensive team. And then a multitude of players were able to get on the score sheet. Daniel Edelman starting things off. And then you had Frankie Amaya with two goals there near the end, one in the 90th minute, showing that the Red Bulls keep their foot on the gas. They're keeping going, and they want to score more goals. They know how pivotal it is to get this offense going, especially in this point in the season. This win should feel really good for the team and for the fans alike. Yeah, so one thing especially about this win and how you talk about the clean sheet, because Atlanta, very good offensively. The key thing, because Thiago Almada, the center attacking mid for Atlanta United, I believe is one of the most, if not the most talented player in the MLS right now. You better watch out. He's going to Europe. If it's not this transfer window, it's the next one, because he is an absolute star. World Cup winning. Of course, he was on that World Cup winning team, and he made it into a few of the group stages games. Um, so he's there to watch. I got to say they shut him down. So the way they started the game, 
They started out in a 4-2-2-2 formation with uh, Edelman and Cassius Jr. both uh, supporting center defensive mid roles. But Cassius Jr. is definitely more of a box-to-box kind of guy. Almada could not get touches on the ball. And if he ever did, he was swarmed by two or three players. And I think this was key and crucial to the Red Bulls' plan going into this game and also how their plan played out was you have to keep Jaguar also leading the league in, with nine assists going into that game. And I believe he has eight goals as well. He's, he's a guy that you got to watch out for, and they did a great job of shutting him down. Now, of course, they were missing some guys in their midfield and attacking areas with uh, Etienne Jr. not being able to play on the wing like he usually does. They had Caleb Wiley playing left wing, where usually he sports a more defensive role. But even then, I think it was um, a great match. And also, I want to talk about Daniel Edelman, an absolute star in the making and everyone was kind of, they were giving him some slack before the international break, but he was the captain of the U-20 men's national team in the U-20 World Cup who made it to the quarterfinal. And he, he was the captain of that team. I knew he was having some confidence uh, two weeks ago on episode one. I was talking about he's the player you got to watch going into these next few games with Edelman because he has a boost of confidence right now. And that showed. He was subbed into the game before um, where they came back and tied uh, late in the second half after they were down 2-0 at halftime the week before, before Atlanta. And then um, against Atlanta, he got the start because the coach likes to reward good behavior. And um, sorry, that 2-2 tie was against um, NYCFC uh, in in the New York Derby. And he comes up in the 32nd minute and gets a goal. And talk about Hard work being rewarded, and he was swooning with confidence, especially when we were talking to him post-game. He was feeling great. Of course, he said they wish they could have made it a little bit further in that U-20 World Cup, but now his focus is all in on the Red Bulls, and you could see it, that he's he's feeling nice. And I got to say, happy for Edelman, still only at 20 years old. And also, on the other side of that, who was also playing with the U.S. in the U-20 World Cup, Caleb Wiley for Atlanta. Um, he had a couple good chances in the game, but really... It was that defensive effort by the Red Bulls um, all around that made it a solid, solid performance, I got to say. Definitely a, a marquee win for the Red Bulls, and especially cool with Edelman because he's a, he's a local kid from Warren Township. Uh, definitely nice to see somebody like that thriving on a big stage. It's also a little surreal because he's younger than me, so uh, yeah. that, that's a little bit... Um, you know, of, of a weird thing. In the post-game uh, interview, it was funny. It was like, I was like standing there asking him a question and I was just like, oh, dang, I'm just realizing that like you are two years younger than me. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you just scored a goal against Brad Guzan. Like that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. But going on that marquee performance, you know, four goals, the Red Bulls have really struggled to score this season. And it's one of the reasons that uh, they parted ways or mutually agreed to part ways with Gerhard Struber earlier this season in May. You know, he, he's been with the club for a couple seasons now. They made the Audi Cup playoffs in 2021, 2022, but really, really struggled to start out this season. They were just one win, four losses and six draws. What are your guys thoughts on his tenure as a whole? Uh, you know, Ryan, he did a, a good job in those first couple of years that he was with the uh, Red Bulls FC. I, 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 he had a record of 33, 31, and 23 all-time with uh, the club. And 
he just got off on the wrong foot this season, I think. Uh, uh, this season was a, a tough start. He put him in a bad position. He couldn't um, get over the loss of uh, Captain Aaron Long, who went to L.A. in free agency uh, this last season. And they also lost Lewis Morgan, the leading scorer from last year, to injury. Um, but overall, the, the team stayed the same. And when you miss those two pivotal pieces in your lineup, it's hard to kind of come back or it's hard to adjust to that. So I think he started off on the wrong foot this year. Another factor as to why I think he didn't have uh, the year coaching that he he maybe wanted was that he was already planning on going back to Europe after this season. So there is somewhat of a question as to if his heart was fully in it to start the season with the Red Bulls. And he was also talking about how being far from family uh, back in Europe was uh, a struggle for him, how, you know, being all the way over here in America and New York is is tough. So I, I get how maybe mentally he wasn't fully there coaching. But I think it was the best for both parties to mutually part and to uh, try and find success somewhere else. We surely know that the Red Bulls have found a good bit of success since they've split with Struber. Yeah, and you got to say, um, I think nothing against Struber. Uh, when you're, it's also hard working with the pieces that you have, especially like you said, guys are leaving, guys are getting hurt. And I think they they tried to test him out with some of the pieces they added because what Red Bull were missing, especially when Morgan got hurt, was the offense, the designated goal scorer. And a lot of teams, you have the guy that he's going to be the guy that when you're late into a game that's going to tie it up or get you ahead, there's that guy to score. And that guy wasn't there for the Rebels. They have a strong midfield. They have a very contested midfield, actually. And I think now, with the new coach coming in, he was looking at that. And instead of seeing that as a problem of, all right, we have too many midfielders. We don't have that designated striker. We brought in Van Zier from Belgium, who is a prolific goal scorer, of course. But you have to watch with him because anybody moving in from a different league coming to MLS it's very, very different. There's so much more travel. You're on a plane more. And if you are on the bus, it's going to be a longer bus ride. And the seasons are different. You're playing on the off seasons. There's all the international breaks. There's weird breaks. Not every game you have every starter. It's a whole hodgepodge of everything mixed in with MLS. That's so different than all the other European leagues that makes it unique. And also the style of play is a little bit different too. Uh, you know, there was jokes that there's like the MLS tackle and stuff like that. And but there's also, if you've been looking, every highlight from the MLS, every single week, every single match weekend, there's been a star stunning goal that's been a magic goal from distance or for a crazy wonder strike. And everyone's wondering, well, why does this keep happening in the MLS? And I mean, it's not like the quality of the players in the MLS is far above the players in Spain, England, and Germany. Of course not. But it's also because they're not that far behind, A. But B, defensively, it's structured differently. And with a lot of teams, there's the designated player rules. Well, every team, there's the designated player rules. So with the roster restrictions, it makes for an interesting scenario. So most teams, with their designated players, don't put them in defense. Most of their designated players are names that score goals. You think of Lorenzo Insigne, Federico Bernadeschi. You think Lionel Messi, who's coming in. Um, stuff like You think of Tiago Almada. And so you think of guys that are the goal scorers, the playmakers, the guys that get the ball in the back of the net. And then you have a different structure defensively because most of your defense are CONCACAF players or guys that aren't getting paid above the league maximum. And so it leads to a, a defensive shape 
that is more structured and rigid than you would play in a European-style game where the defense is more flowing. So you do have outside backs that come with the field. You think of Tolkien, of course, who's he's always up the field, but he's also dropping back all the time. And so you think of styles of plays that are just different because in different leagues, you could say not that the MLS defend, defenders are not as talented. No, it's that there's not enough um, salary cap around for the players to all be of star level players in in Europe, in every other league, you can have 11 players in the field that all are making millions of dollars, that are all stars in their own right. But in the MLS, because the way the, the roster rules are, you can't have that. And so you're, you're led to have, um, you know, still great players, but not stars where they can't play multiple roles. I think of like a Kevin De Bruyne or a John Stones, where they play them at like any position. Like you can put Kevin De Bruyne anywhere in the midfield and he's going to do great. Or you can put John Stones. They had him playing at like a false CDM at one point, like this for most of the season. He's like, that's not a position. Like he was barely playing center back. And so I don't think you can do that with an Andres Reyes or a Sean Nealis. Those guys are like hard hitting center backs, and that's what they're going to do. And so they're going to sit on their line and they're going to stay back and try and stay there where you have guys like Lorenzo and Tinder. They're going to try and take you on, they're going to try and dribble you, and they're just going to stand you up. And so that's why guys are trying to make these magisterial shots that are going like crazy. Philly Union, Jose Martinez scored a bouncer outside the foot off the post and in from like 35 yards out. It's a Puskas uh, nomination goal for sure. And it's like, well, why does that happen? And why does that happen everywhere else? I think it's because of the unique structure of the MLS. I think that's a cool thing. But got a little off topic there. Sorry. We're talking about the Red Bulls. And... um, Struber and the new coach coming in. So what they did, in, what the new coach, uh, Lassen, instead of seeing this lack of an offense as a problem, as a detriment, he's like, okay, we're going to just pack our midfield. Instead of playing with three in the midfield, three up top, uh, which was the formation they were playing with with Struber, a 4-3-3, he's going to say, we're going to pack the midfield. We're going to play a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. And one of those strikers could even drop back more as a midfielder as well. And so that's, I think this is the first time you saw that system really, really working, excuse me, really working in the Atlanta United game because you had your two players who were technically playing center defensive mid with Edelman and Casarius Jr. scoring in the first half. Now, Casarius Jr. is a box-to-box midfielder. That's his style of play. No one's going to hold him back to center defensive mid and have him stay, sit on the line. But it was the high pressure from the team, from the midfield, that led to that goal, the second goal in the Rebels game. And I think... That's what you're going to want to see more of from this Red Bull team and this new coaching strategy, which I'm very excited for because you had four goals all scored by midfielders. And that was the problem with the, with the Red Bulls, that they didn't have scoring. And so if you can't score with your offense, start scoring with your midfield. And I love that. That Jose Martinez goal was unreal. Yeah. It, was, it was unreal. It kind of remar- reminded me of um, Pavard's goal. In the 2018 World Cup, just the way it bounced out and the way you got around it. Yeah, but, and just like it was like the, the outside, like uh, the way it curved even was like an outside the foot curve too. Just, oh, beautiful shot. It was it was it was surreal. It was surreal. But you know, you touched a lot on how they're really buffing up that midfield, Joey. And I, I have to wonder, do you guys think this success is sustainable? Because they've been noticeably better. 
When Struber left, they were last in the Eastern Conference, and now they're 11th. They're challenging for the play-in, for the playoffs. Do you think that this success is sustainable for the rest of the season or moving forward beyond the rest of the season? Or is this a, a case of, you know, new manager coming in, new tactics, teams have yet to adjust? I still think it's too early to tell, but from what I'm seeing, Ryan, I, I truly think that the Red Bulls have an opportunity to get to the postseason this year. Since Lassen took over, uh, uh, the club is 4-3-2. and two. That was since uh, May 18th. Um, and uh, Lassen came over last January, uh, January 2022, uh, uh, just as an assistant coach. He was the former USL Championship Coach of the Year with New, Me- New Mexico United. So this isn't a guy that's, you know, an assistant that they moved up. This is a real head coach that you can have for your, uh, your team, a real, like, leader and a real uh, 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 go-getter that you have hanging your club. So uh, that already makes me feel better for the Red Bulls. This is not just some random assistant. This is an award-winning coach, yes, from a lesser league, but still an award-winning coach uh, uh, with a squad coming up to head this team. Uh, Since he took over, the uh, Red Bulls have had 11 goals in the last nine games. And I think we uh, mentioned it before, maybe not. In the first nine games, they only had seven, okay? So this offense is already feeling better. Um, they've allowed less goals in the last nine than they did in the first nine games. So that's already feeling better. The team feels like they have a future maybe with this coach, uh, opposed to uh, with their previous coach, uh, Struber, who is already going to be gone after this season. So I think that this is a good position to be in if you're the Red Bulls, especially with the way this season started. This is infinitely better than it would have been if maybe Struber had stayed. So I think that they're in a good position now. They need to keep building, though. They need to keep their foot on the gas. They're, they still have a lot of work to do. They still sit at 11th. They still have little things that they need to work on. They're, they have the second most yellow cards in the MLS with 52. That's something that you need to keep down. Um, you know, we mentioned it before scoring comes from a lot of places. How is that going to work in the later stages of the season? Do you need that main goal scorer? Can you still spread the love and, uh, be a successful offense with multiple people, uh, scoring goals for you? So, uh, there's a lot of work to be done at this record of five, eight, and six, but I think the work can be done. I really genuinely believe that the Red Bulls have a chance to move up those rankings and get into the postseason. I agree with Spencer, uh, totally. Um, what I really liked about Lassen, um in his post-game interview, was, so the first question, I didn't like the question the first person asked. They said, it was the, they, I don't like to say who asked it, but they asked, Coach, um, there were some, some, pretty, some pretty horrifying first touches throughout the game. Um, now, we still got the 4-0 win, but what do you think about uh, how we're going to address that in the future? And the coach was like, I don't want, we just won 4-0 against the best offensive team in the MLS on the East right now. He's like, I don't want to hear the words like horrifying. But he's like, now, if we lost that game 4-0, I would be telling you that that game was horrifying. And in previous games, I have told you when we've lost that certain things were horrifying. He's like, but in a 4-0 win, I don't want to hear the word horrifying in this post-game press conference. And I really loved that because that shows character, one thing. But also, he's right. You're not, you're never going to have a perfect game. But if you win 4-0, I mean, come on. Like, what more do you want from your team? And so, of course, the game, the week that the Red Bulls have a, a staunching win, all the teams around them win as well. Charlotte won. Uh, I believe New York won. Chicago won. So everyone around them and Montreal won. All the teams they were shooting for above them and around them all also won, which was pretty unfortunate. 
But I think it's good looks for the rest of the season and as we move on. And hopefully, uh, Van Zier, he was questionable going into that game. If he's healthy, and he, we talked about it last uh, episode as well, if he can get on his goal-scoring horse that like we know he can and like he proved that he can in Belgium, if he can get on that goal-scoring horse, this team's going places, I'm telling you. If they make the playoffs, and they are, I think it's what I love about the MLS is interesting too. Of course, all you got to do is make the playoffs. And um, I think with soccer, that's a very interesting thing because teams do get hot and teams do get cold, but teams also are usually don't change that much over the course of a season. Now, of course, when there's a coaching change, you do see that big change. And I think we are seeing that big change for the better. Like you said, Spencer, more goals scored, less goals scored against in the, in the last nine than the first nine. And, I mean, that's how you win soccer games, right? You, you, you give up less goals and you score more. I mean, before this game, the Red Bulls haven't scored a goal, haven't scored more than two goals in a single game all season until this game last week. So it's not like they're, they've been bagging goals left and right, of course. But it's signs of great things. And like you said, a little early to be calling anything. It'll be early to be calling the hens home. But I think you got to say it's... Uh, Great looks for the remainder of the season. It is definitely a great look. And, you know, they're really going to need this form in the weeks that they have coming ahead. Not only do they have the Columbus crew coming up, but after that, they've got the Revolution and then Cincinnati, who's top of the league by far. And the East right now is looking a lot better than the West, just in general. Top three teams in the East above the Western Conference as a whole. So it's it's going to be a really difficult next few weeks for the Red Bulls. What are you seeing? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Any predictions? How can they get through these next few weeks? Honestly, I would be happy if if they got four or five points out of these next few weeks. That would be a big win for the Red Bulls, I think, because it's a really tough part of their schedule that they're coming up on. Yeah, so uh, looking at the upcoming schedule, I think a lot of it is also going to take part in – how far teams go in this gold cup as well that's that's why the mls season's so interesting right is that there's a Concacaf competition in a league that has mostly Concacaf players in it and there's no international break for these teams for this competition and now like if you look at the team at the us they don't have their a team at this competition at the gold cup but you look at the other teams they do i mean every other team pretty much except for the us has their star-studded lineups out there and so when you look at now, if you're a U.S. men's national team fan, this is great signs for you that um, your B and C team for the near uh, uh, for the U.S. men's national team is filled with a lot of MLS players. Um, where in the past your A team was all MLS players, it's a uh, good sign for the U.S. men's national team. But for the MLS as a whole, it's not as good when you're missing two, three guys a game for however n- long this competition lasts. And so. If certain teams don't make it out of the group stage and certain teams will get players back, I think that's going to have an advantage for that. But looking at Columbus, New England, Cincinnati, those are your next three games. Those are all teams really high up in the standings. I mean, Cincinnati, I believe they're in first. And um, yeah, Cincinnati's in first, New England's in second, and Columbus is in fifth. Now, you just took down fifth place Atlanta when you played that game. But you have to do it again. You're going to have to do it again three weeks in a row. So like you said, five points out of these next three games, I think you'd take that any day of the week. Take those and you go home happy. 
Yeah, this looking at this schedule, this is a gauntlet. The entire month of July is an absolute gauntlet for the Red Bulls. You got Columbus on the first. A week later, you have New England, who New England ranks second in the East, in the Eastern Conference. Then you have Cincinnati, first in the Eastern Conference. After that, you have Real Salt Lake, who's sixth in the Western Conference. Then you play New England again. That That is such a crazy stretch of game. By the way, that last New England game is going to be in the League's Cup, so it's going to count for a little more. Uh, this is going to be a real test. Ryan, you're talking about earlier, can this, is this team turned around? We're going to see if they can get some points out of this, that, that magic number you're talking about five points, even just five points in the next three weeks. I think that'll mean good things going forward, but this is going to be a crazy test of what this team can really do. You're 11th in the Eastern conference. You're feeling hot. You're feeling good. Can you string together something? Can you get a couple draws here? Can maybe even get a win against one of these top teams in the conference? This is going to be a very good test for the squad. I don't know if they can do it. This is going to be rough, but we're going to see. And I think that uh, under this new leadership, under this new feel that they've got, and with a couple players returning maybe, I think they're going to have a decent chance to maybe string a good uh, string of matches together here in July. Also, a few things to note, a lot of home games. So you saw, I mean, all of June and July, they've been mostly home. They only have uh, two away games in the uh, month of July. Um, so, I mean, that's how it usually works. Four games in a month, you have two and two. But they were just home three games in a row. Home against Orlando, home against Charlotte, home against Atlanta. So now you're away going to Columbus uh, up this coming weekend. But then you're back home again two weeks in a row against New England and Cincinnati. And with soccer, especially home field advantage is huge. And I mean, it seems like to every one uh, away game they're having, they're having two home. Now, that's good for now. Uh, later on the season, it might be a problem where you're going to be traveling a lot. But you got to take advantage of when you're not traveling. I mean, Columbus, they're going to be taking a plane there, I'm sure. But then home, home. Real Salt Lake, of course, another long plane ride. But then home, home again. I mean, not too much traveling going on for a league where that's a huge, not complaint, but a huge thing you have to keep in mind from all the players is that there's a lot of travel going on. And um, I think you do have to take advantage of this home field advantage. Now, you are up against tough opponents, but I don't know. It's uh, all playoff teams. So if you can beat these playoff teams, then you know that you belong in those playoffs. So I think this is going to be showing what they're going to be made of these next couple weeks. Definitely. And Spencer, you brought up that uh, second New England game. You know who they're playing before that? Lionel Messi. So it, it doesn't get any easier over that stretch. You know, it's it's definitely going to be, it, it's a really crucial stretch of the schedule for the Red Bulls, not just the next three weeks, but the, the weeks after as well, because Salt Lake, you know, they're a solid team in the West. They've got 27 points. I think that's a very winnable game for the Red Bulls. And then after that, you've got DC United, a direct contender for the play-in spot right now. So, again, very, very pivotal games into Miami. Again, not looking too great right now in the standings, but who knows? Maybe they'll pick it up once they get the best player that the game has ever seen. So, um, maybe, maybe Spencer. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But on that, do you guys think currently 11th in the conference, three points out of the play-in, which is currently D.C. United and Montreal, and five games out of the playoffs, sitting in that seventh spot is Orlando City. And the Red Bulls make the play-in, and can they make the playoffs outright? 
I have a really good feeling about the play-in. I think that absolutely if all the, you know, cards fall where they may, but if they fall right for the Red Bulls, I think the play-in is absolutely attainable. You're only three points out, okay? That That is doable. And yes, we still, we got a long season ahead. But if the trend is that this team is hot right now and that they can string a couple wins together, a couple good games together where they get points, I can totally see a play-in. Playoffs is different. This season's long. This streak, this hot streak, the way we're feeling after this 4-0 win against Atlanta, it's going to be gone at a certain point, okay? Uh, uh, Things fluctuate. So you just need to be prepared for the hard months, and July is going to be a hard month. Joe, you're talking about later in the season, a ton of traveling since this is the way that the schedule was laid out. Those are going to be hard. How are you going to play in those games, those stretch of games where you're on the road for multiple weeks in a row? Um. So the plan, I could totally see. And I think once the Red Bulls are in the plan, anything can happen. You know, that's just sports. But postseason, just playoffs outright, I would be very interested if the Red Bulls were able to do that. I'll be very, you know, happy if they were able to do that. So um, we'll see. Still super early. But the way I'm seeing, I think playoffs, or plans, pardon me, is absolutely attainable for the squad. Yeah, and I think you also have to look around the teams that are also uh... – competing for that play-in spot. So, like, if you look at Montreal's schedule, it's not – their next three games, they're playing three teams that are not in a playoff or play-in position. So those are three good chances for them to get nine points out of those games. I mean, that could be huge. That, that could thrust them right into a playoff spot. But now you could – a team like D.C., they're, three out of their next four games are all against playoff teams. And so maybe there's that one open spot, and now you have also you're fighting Charlotte, you're fighting Chicago, you're fighting NYCFC. The East is really tight this year, especially in the bottom end of the playoffs and the play-in areas. It's going to think, I think going down the stretch, we're going to be in for a really interesting um, last few weeks. I mean, we're not even close to the last few weeks of the season yet. We're about halfway through, not even halfway through. But, I mean, I'm interested to see, um, you know, we are halfway through. Sorry. I don't know. I got my math wrong. (laughs) I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the how this pans out because Montreal, pretty not easy. No points are easy points, of course, but they have opportunity to get some huge points. Where the Red Bulls are facing a pretty hard schedule, it's going to be hard earned points, and so we'll see how it all shapes out. And then, of course, you have to keep in mind dwelling at the bottom of the barrel is Inter Miami, and I think. Before this summer is over, before this transfer window is over, there's going to be some big moves. There's going to be messy, but there might even be a few more guys falling in his coattails, making their way to Miami. So you, you, that's I think you can't keep them out of your rearview mirror because they're going to be there soon. Um, and I mean, if you look at the West, it's not it's not that it's not even as competitive, but it, it might be even tighter because of how the gaps are. But I think there's just um, there's the gap in quality between like teams like Cincinnati, teams like Nashville, teams like Philly. They're really good. And when you're playing up against them, you're hoping for a tie a lot of the times. I mean, there hasn't been many times in MLS history where you're going up against teams and you're you're heavily intimidated. I mean, Cincinnati, only two losses on the year so far and only four draws, 13 wins. That's that's incredible. Out of 19 games, you've only dropped points in six games out of 19. So you got to imagine they're not going to be a team that you go in there. I mean, obviously you hope for a win every game, but it's like that's a team where you're going in knowing that you got you to gotta scrap a little bit. 
Oh, I think that's cool. That's great for the MLS as well. But um, having that dominant team in there. And Brandon Vasquez, striker from Cincinnati, one of my favorite players in the MLS, a former Atlanta United Academy player. And uh, he's representing the U.S. right now. Actually scored, tied the Jamaica game to make it 1-1. So go Brandon Vasquez. Rooting for him, of course. But anyways, um, Red Bull, they're going to be fighting for that playing spot. I think a, a playoff guaranteed spot might be a little uh, not far-fetched. It might be a little, might be a little hopeful. But I think you can get into that play-in. And then once you, if you do get in that play-in, you have a chance against any of those teams, though. Montreal, D.C., Charlotte, Chicago, NYCFC. You got a chance against any of those teams in the play-in for sure. So, I don't know. We can see anything can happen. All we can do is speculate. Definitely reasons to be optimistic as the Red Bulls come up on a tough stretch. But that will do it for this week's edition of Bulls on Parade. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Spencer Gonzalez and Joey Nardone for joining me on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon that we're recording. And we'll see you all next week. Go Red Bulls. Hope for a win this weekend.